0: You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. We
1: had a great time tonight already, and now it's time for the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter number 5 in the Bible. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. And we'll read one verse, and then we'll look at some other, quite a few passages tonight, but I want you to see one verse in First Thessalonians chapter number 5. I've said this before, there are only two kinds of people alive today. Those that truly love God, they truly love God, they know what loving God is all about, because they know Him. And those that truly would love God if they knew him. How many of you have heard that before? It's something to remember. But in that same way, there are only two kinds of people when it comes to marriage. And it's those who truly love marriage and enjoy working on it because they know what a good marriage is. And those who would truly love marriage and enjoy working on it if they knew what a good marriage was. Can I just say you want this? You want a taste from what God has designed? There are many marriages, even in this room, no doubt, that have lost the vision and the taste of what a good marriage is. God's marriage, not something designed or created or built up by man or self, but God's marriage. And marriage has become so harsh and cold, and it shocks me at times the things that people say about their spouses. And what it tells me is they just don't know or have lost sight of what a good marriage is in Christ. God says that you can have a good marriage and the goal of this series is that God to be glorified in marriage, is that God is glorified in marriage, that hurting marriages will find healing, that good marriages would become great and that, and this is for all of you children in the room or whatever age you are, that future marriages would be grounded in truth and that the rest of you, whoever you may be, would be uh, built up in God's love for His church or His bride Most marriages look something like this. My wife's going to help me illustrate. We, as Brother Caleb mentioned, began praying for God's uh, um, will for life. If you'll just stay right there. She's already not obeying me. And uh, all of a sudden, God lays somebody on your heart or you notice somebody. Most Christian marriages, I would say, or at least marriages trying. Let's start there. I'll teach a different... Uh, session on really how most marriages get started and why there's so much decay and failure, but Christian marriages that are trying to do the right thing, and that we'll go up this way. We didn't practice this, but we'll go up this way. And so we notice one another, and we begin to get to know one another, and we're courting. That's what this courting thing is, or dating, dating courting uh, is interchangeable in my in my sense of the term of getting to know somebody for a purpose to be marriageable here and. And uh, we're we're coming closer and closer to that wedding day. And finally, she's thinking, what are we going to do here? Finally, we get married, okay? And we are married and we are excited about it. Our flesh was involved as we were looking forward to not giving into the flesh, but looking forward to having one another, being together, um, that friendship, that closeness. And finally, we're married. And then because it becomes spiritual, the devil begins to attack it. And we become selfish, and we begin to go our own way, and we get distracted. And this is what it looks like. It was all coming together, and now it's all falling apart. And slowly but surely, for a number of reasons, we could fill in a lot of blanks in our lives, the marriages began to draw, not closer and closer, but further and further apart. And nobody wants this. Nobody Notice I'm getting further faster than she is. But further and further apart... Until one day we wake up and we look at one another and we say, what happened to us? And what we hear many times is, I just don't love you anymore. And they think by looking around and finding somebody else that it's going to happen, but then the the cycle repeats and it repeats faster. And it's just like smoking. Everybody always thinks that they're going to be the um, exception to the uh, cancer and death rule when it comes to smoking. How many of you know of somebody who was affected by smoking in a very negative way? Look around the room. Almost everybody. But yet everybody, and that's just one little thing, and marriage is the same way. Somehow, some way we think by doing it our way, we're going to be the exception to it. Thank you, Charity. You can be seated. I, I just wanted you to see that visual that there are no doubt marriages even in this room that are heading this way And it's time tonight for God to be glorified that you begin to taste the nectar of what God has designed for your marriage. Let me also illustrate it in this way. Most marriages look something like this heart that you see here. You say, something's missing. I don't know what. I mean, I've got part of it here. You know, uh, 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 sir, you may say we go to church, we 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 serve God, but just something's still missing. And 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 and, sir, you may say, hey, man, we communicate really well, but. Man, our romance life and our togetherness stinks. It's horrible. Or maybe the spouse says, you know what? We, we, our communication is terrible, but he thinks we're fine in this area. Or, man, we do well in our finances, but the way we fight and argue, our anger, and we're blowing up, we're contentious, we're making fun of one another, we don't date anymore, we don't care about one another anymore. Something has happened. And God says, I want you to have A good marriage. So what is a good marriage? A good marriage is this, these two words. It is perfect intimacy. And that's the message tonight, perfect intimacy. Now you're open to 1 Thessalonians chapter number five. We're gonna read that in a moment, but Genesis one and verse 26 says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who or what is the hour in the verse? Somebody tell me. It's the Trinity. God is a triune being, or three in one, three parts in one, and God made us to be triune beings. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5.23, our text for tonight, to learn the principle that's going to help you in a great, great uh, practical and, of course, a, a, a biblical truth-giving way. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the Bible says, in the God of peace, verse 23, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your, read it out loud, the next two words, ready and go. Whole spirit and what? And what? Be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just like God himself is a triune being, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God has created you and I to be triune beings. We have the spirit We have the soul or the emotional center of man, and then we have the flesh or the physical body. We are three in one. And when you study the scriptures, you'll find all throughout the scriptures that anything that God has designed or created, you will find the trinity in it, or you'll find that triune uh, aspect or principle to it. God has designed marriage to be a triune institution. What does perfect intimacy mean? The word perfect in the Bible means whole. Remember the heart cut in half. Remember charity and I moving farther apart. Perfect is whole. James chapter one and verse four, you see it here says that ye may be perfect and entire, say the rest. Wanting nothing. Almost all marriages, I would say any marriage outside of this principle that I'm gonna teach tonight from the word of God. Is not perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And you're missing out and you're taking your children down the wrong road. You're bearing the consequences and you're going to end up with a life and legacy that you never intended. But there is hope tonight because we have God's plan of perfect order, and that is. The perfect intimacy is found in the Bible. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, intimacy, I know what you're talking about tonight. I want you to stay on board and see from the word of God, God's order. First of all, there is spiritual intimacy, which then will create an emotional or soul intimacy, which is a friendship and a building of a life together, which then creates God's way, not Hollywood's way, not your way, not the cheap, dirty, nasty way, but an amazing blow your mind kind of a way of true romance of physical intimacy that goes beyond what most people think is the act of marriage and a short little time together, but is the, 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 the full picture of romance and of closeness that a wife so enjoys, and of course, an end goal that a husband enjoys in that final uh, physical act of marriage. This is God's, if, if you could see a piece of pie with three pieces in it, most times one piece of the pie is missing and the other two, it's there, but it's got nasty ingredients in it and it stinks. It doesn't, it doesn't taste good. It's not good. There's anger. There's bitterness. There's selfishness. There's fighting. There's pride. Why? If it fell into that category, it's because the spiritual intimacy isn't right. Amen. There's selfishness when it comes to uh, 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 physical intimacy. There's uh, uh, uh baggage and brokenness. Why? Because the brokenness in the emotional or friendship intimacy is not complete and whole. Here's a key statement. When personal, spiritual, emotional, and physical needs are unmet in marriage, or when we come to physical needs, we could make it even broader and say romantic needs, um, but physical needs go unmet in marriage, the cycle of unhealthy thinking, emotions, and behaving begins. Let's look at these three tonight and I challenge you to learn this principle and apply your heart and remember you don't accomplish and finish everything in one message one session or one date night or one communication with your marriage but you can start and finishing is all about starting and tonight I'm challenging you to listen on purpose and to start first of all God has designed marriage in this triune being a must that you have to have and that is spiritual intimacy spiritual intimacy god designed and created the christian to have a spiritual relationship with god almighty now, when we come to church, and I'm going to close tonight, how you can apply this to home and church and the principles all taught throughout the scriptures and revolutionize your children, your home, not just your marriage, and then also your church and your, what you get out of this church um, community, this church gathering, this church service, what you're going to get out of, you're going to see. And when we come to church and home, when we talk about physical, we're talking about serving one another. We're talking about the works, the physical doing. Stay with me. So when we come to spiritual intimacy, God created us to be spiritually intimate with Jesus Christ, walking with God, truly knowing him, knowing the shepherd of the psalm and not just the psalm of the shepherd, knowing the God of the church and not just punching the church clock of God, not just knowing the Bible of God. Hey, I read it through in a year. I'm a good Christian. I believe the Bible. Got it tucked on my arm. Instead of that, knowing the God of the Bible, knowing the spirit of the letter and not just the letter of the spirit. Amen? Spiritual intimacy with God is knowing Him. And there is a lot of Christians that are working for Christ, but missing something. And it's empty. We're busy. Here and there. And soon they're gone. Brother Walker, you've seen it in ministry around the country. What happened to that pastor? Oh, there was a zeal for the house of God. And a works high and above but somewhere along the line the spiritual intimacy of knowing Christ was gone now that is applied in marriage that if you do not have spiritual intimacy in marriage your marriage i don't care if you think you're the exception your marriage is already on the rocks what is spiritual intimacy well you know do i do i get up and preach a message to my family every day and what does this look like how does it how does it look like well let me just say very simply You've heard this phrase before, the marriage who prays together stays together. The family who prays together stays together. Did you know that's true? The Gallup poll says that you can do one thing to have a 99% chance of not getting a divorce. Let me give you the Gallup poll in 2017. Are you ready? This is a, 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 a survey taken In 2017, I'll show it behind me. The divorce rate among couples who go to church regularly, and this is just all churches, you know, just church in general doing a survey, is one out of two, the same as among unbelievers. And by the way, it's even higher now because that's 50%. Now it's like 60 and 70% on the first marriage. And now it's 80 and 90 for the second and 90 and 95 for the third. When you read secular um, statistics, it's always worse because they're trying to make it look better. And so they'll say 60, but it's more like 60 and 70 for first and 80 and 90. Are you hearing that yeah. statistics? But now notice the couples, they just, at, they did a survey. The divorce rate among couples who pray together daily is one out of 1,153. What this is proving is a spiritual Intimacy. When a husband knows that his wife loves God, the source of love and the source of responsibility is not just to the wife with all of their faults. It is to the God that they love. Please listen carefully. When a wife knows that, hey, a husband might just be a good old boy, a good old workaday boy, but in his heart, he has a relationship with God. He tries to get up and read the Bible and pray. He loves God. He may not be the the, the biggest, most flamboyant Christian in all the world, but he loves God. You have 99% chance of staying together. You say, could it be that simple? Yes. Love God. Get to know how do you love God? Get to know him. Cultivate a relationship with him. Say, God, I want to know you. God, I need to know. The principle is laid out in the Bible when he says that you cannot, biblically, be married to a lost person. Now, if you get saved after you're married to somebody that's lost, you stay married with that person. But those of you that are saved are not to be unequally yoked. Why does God say this? Because you can't have the right kind of marriage. He said, I can't. You can't have the piece of the pie. He said, if you are as a a Christian, go marry somebody, you cannot have spiritual intimacy with somebody that's lost. Now doesn't it make, oh, now maybe what God puts in the word of God is actually there for a reason instead of, hmm, God saying, let me write this rule and be not unequally yoked with uh, unbelievers. And the epitome of yoked, as God lays out in the Bible, is marriage, is covenant. And then as a church, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked as a church body. It is a saved, born-again membership. That's the bride of Christ. These churches that say as their slogan, belong before you believe, is heresy. Because that is saying, hey, you can be unequally yoked. Now, people can certainly attend here and come to church here and be welcome. We want lost people to come here. But if you are going to be part of the bride of Christ here, a member of this church, you're going to have to be saved. Why? For spiritual intimacy. For spiritual Closeness. Closeness. Now you can go buy insurance for your car, your automobile. You can buy insurance for your crops. You can buy insurance for your house. You can even buy life insurance in case something bad ever happens. Right? You hope that it doesn't happen, but inevitably, how many of you have ever had to use insurance for something? Raise your hand high into the air. And if they're adults, it's probably 100%. You've had to use insurance medically. No, I'll never have an accident. I love these young couples. I don't need insurance. And eventually something happens. And so you can buy insurance. You know what spiritual intimacy is? It's insurance for the day of trouble. And man that is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. And trouble will come to the best of marriages. And those that don't have spiritual intimacy in marriage are done done. Maybe they'll live together for an extended period of time, or maybe they'll even make it to death. But the wake that they leave, the mess that they leave of family and friends and ministry and testimony is staggering. Staggering. And if you've already passed that path, learn tonight, listen tonight, there's hope for you. And God can help you tonight in many, many, many future, uh, uh, whether it be with your children or with your church and, um, with the future of your life. I think about my mom and dad uh, together. Now listen to this illustration. My mom and dad, my mom came to my dad early on when they first had children. It was my, my first sister, my, my my oldest sister. And uh, she was growing up and she showed some 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 negative things. And my mom came to my dad and said, Larry, what do we do? What's wrong? And my dad says, you know what? We're just gonna start praying together over that child. Because it's God, it's not us, it's not our methods, it's God. We're doing all we know to do, let's begin to pray. And they began to pray for that child. Then, because God answers prayer down the road, they saw a miracle with that child. And it was creating a bond that nothing else could create. They began to become emotional together. That marriages without spiritual intimacy insurance are missing out, and this is why you're harsh, this is why you're unkind, This is why you're brash This is why you never want to date, never want to be together, don't care. There's anger, there's bitterness, there's no physical intimacy or you try to do the physical intimacy like Hollywood promotes, you know, it's go grab a dinner, maybe go to a unique place or a hotel or something, try to work something up. That's wrong. It's not right. And God says spiritual intimacy begins to bring a tie together that only God could do. He says in first Peter that you be heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. There is no way that you can have a good marriage without God. Here's a key statement I think we have it, Steve. Spiritual intimacy will provide a bond of love that cannot be interrupted by the enemies of love. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, sounds like a pipe dream to most marriages. Really? It covers all? It suffers long? Is not puffed up? behaves it does not behave itself unseemly in other words there's no anger there's no contention there's no fighting there's grace there's love and we read these at funerals like we say the vow excuse me we read these at weddings almost like funerals like we say the vows at funerals they've become in most churches thank god here we're fighting for it but in most churches They've become the biggest joke. People sit there when we say for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. Keep thee only unto me so long as you both shall live. Do you so promise before God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... I mean, do we understand what we're doing? Most people, when we go in weddings and marriage seminars and these two-night little things or a Valentine banquet and we read First Corinthians, everybody's like... Yeah. That <laughs> was a joke. Nobody can really have that. Why? Because the piece of the pie of spiritual intimacy is missing. Some marriages only have emotional and physical intimacy, and that's why the emotional and physical Im- Im- intimacy feels cheated, uh-huh. cheap, you empty. Yep. You're trying. Try to go on a date. Try to be close. Try to enjoy one another. But the spiritual intimacy is missing. Why? Because we're leaving God out of it. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. He said if one's lying together, they're cold, they're alone. But if there's two there, they're warm. But then he says a threefold cord is not soon broken. And people think it's two becoming one, though that's our theme here. The unseen presence and spirit of God is in the room. That's why we're at, you could go to some You know, Oprah probably does one, or Joel Osteen, or Doctor Phil. You know, without you know some secular type approach, but it's God that is tying the two together. And this is all I'm going to say tonight. If you'll get this principle, if you will begin in simple, it may start in simple prayer. Charity, if you'll come up here. And again, God is having to teach us this. God is having to mold and make us in this. But I see my wife reading the Bible. That creates a spiritual intimacy, and it's building a life together. But when we leave seven days a week before I go out, and then at night, we pray together in bed. Now, my parents, we're going to grow to this, but they knelt beside the bed and prayed. I'm crashing in bed while she's putting kids in bed, and they're popping out, and then I'll jump out. So we do it laying in bed like this, and we'll pray, okay, let's pray for Aaron, and we'll mention something we need to pray about. Now, that's at night, but every day of our lives, because of this principle, not because of us, that's not what I'm trying to say, because of spiritual intimacy, we will pray something about like this. Now, dear Lord, I pray that you put a hedge of protection around our house today. Lord, thank you for what you've done today. Bless charity, bless us. Lord, we don't deserve it, but we thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to love you. This is the day that you have made. Make us to rejoice in it. Help us with whatever's coming our way. And Lord, give charity wisdom. Give me wisdom. I don't know what's coming my way. I don't know what questions are going to be asked of me. I don't know what counsel is going to be asked of me. God, you just said if I would ask, you would give it. And so I'm asking. And now, Lord, increase our love. Never let the devil in between us or in our home. My children could quote that because I pray it all the time. Never let the devil in between us or in our home. I ask, Lord, for unity and a bond in marriage. Please help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, I gotta go, I'm late. Now, other than praying at night in the bed, thank you, Charity, you can be seated. I appreciate her willingness, that's not easy. She doesn't like to, you, you think she likes to get in front of people, she doesn't really, but what is happening here is not just that, that thing right there. We don't read our Bibles together. Some, I wish, I wish that, we, that we did. We don't. I'm just telling for us. I'm trying to lay out an illustration of where we're, we're being honest and real that God is at the center of this marriage. You say, so what do you do when you don't want to do that? You do it anyway. You just do it. You pray together. And there are marriages that are not kneeling beside the bed or praying in the bed or praying before in a character, not a day's going to go by that you don't do it. And you're missing out on the piece of pie that's making everything else shallow and empty. You are the bus captain running yourself ragged, ready to burn out, saying, I just don't love it anymore. But it's that bus captain brother dan we've seen it in years past who's not walking with god loving god seeing souls saved seeing the big picture of it all everybody still awake tonight spiritual intimacy is a a a couple loving god there's no else a way around it if you want to be an ungodly wicked selfish person that just don't have time for god you have time for everything else you have time for yourself, but you don't want to cultivate a relationship with God, then you just decide, okay, then we'll just settle for all the contentions surrounding the act of marriage, surrounding communication, surrounding romance, surrounding our anger, surrounding our bitterness. But the more we go to God, the more we'll see those things become fulfilled. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. The only way to do that is spiritual if you're married to an unsaved person pray that they get saved love them unconditionally and god will use that to create a bond even though they're not saved a bond because you care for their soul and they'll see something has changed. You're praying for their soul. You're loving their soul. You're praying for them, for their spirit, that, that spirit that is dead in Christ uh, and, and needs to be saved. And so if that's you, I'm sure that's fairly rare in this room, but it could be you. You begin to pray for them and God will do a great and mighty work. Now, that spiritual intimacy as we see God answer prayer and, and we're just broken before one another because you know what? We realize we are not, we're nothing. That's why people, it's awkward. I got a question. Why is it awkward to pray together, but yet you can sleep together? Why is that awkward? Somebody's like, it'd be awkward to to pray with my wife tonight. And the same guy that would say that would be like, man, I sure hope my wife loves me tonight. You know why? Because when you got married, it moved from fleshly before to spiritual after. Commitment now is spiritual. Intimacy now is spiritual. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, uh, Communication is spiritual and when it's spiritual it's something you have to do on purpose So spiritual intimacy is the first step and if you're not doing it I beg of you to go home tonight and begin to pray together pray about what just pray together And do it don't quit just pray together if you're dating pray together I remember and again, I hate giving personal. I you know me I try not to give about me illustrations, but sometimes uh, that's all that God brings to my mind I remember on our honeymoon night I, at, in Iowa City at the hotel in the honeymoon suite, I presented my wife with our first Bible together. It was our Bible. I presented it to her. I had something all typed out and printed in the front. And call me weird, I don't care. And I'm as red-blooded as everybody else. But we and we had already hugged and kissed a whole bunch. We had to pull over in Mar Park before we got to Iowa City, and hug and kiss. But... Uh, When we got to the hotel, I am telling you, we walked in and uh, I had candles and all kinds of stuff. I haven't told this and I'm embarrassing my wife, but you got to have the uh, example here, illustration here. We went to the side of the bed and knelt and prayed and read some verses together about dedicating that marriage. And I I, I didn't know that I would ever tell anybody that. If you think, oh yeah, you're just putting yourself on a pedestal. No, I had a mom and dad. Who gave an example and her mom and dad of spiritual intimacy and I saw that they had something and I I didn't want it to be cheap I didn't want to build a foundation around lust and uh, I wanted to build a foundation around God's beauty and God's love and God's grace and because of that outflows then an emotional intimacy and that's number two You say, I got a spiritual intimacy, why isn't the emotional intimacy coming? Because it's trying to come, it's trying, but you're going to have to focus on it. An emotional intimacy or a soul intimacy, as you see it in the Word of God, your whole spirit, now your soul, and then, of course, your body, your emotional intimacy is building a life together. Proverbs 5.18 says, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. It didn't say the wife in thy youth, the wife of thy youth. How do you rejoice with the wife of your youth? By looking back and have built a life together. You've shared heartaches together and you didn't blame one another and walked away. Why? Because you bought spiritual intimacy insurance to say God's way is the best way. You're going through Life changes together and, 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 and midlife changes ladies and, and, and later on in life changes men. Together, and you're navigating these courses together in love and a heart about the other, and not about yourself, and you're building this life together because God has designed it, and we're made different, and we're completely different, but we're gonna build this life together, and you become friends, and maybe I'll illustrate when we come down near the end, uh, but you begin to pray together, and as you're praying together, you begin to laugh together. You begin to cry together. You begin to count your blessings together. You begin to see answered prayer together, and it begins to build in emotional intimacy. Listen very carefully. I think I have this, Steve. The problems in marriage, for most marriages, do not come from spending time together in Christian marriages. It comes from spending, the problems come from spending time together doing the wrong things. So the right things are taking a walk together, having a time of three to five minutes of prayer or late you know 30 minutes of prayer in the evening for a child for a physical illness for something just praying together that's building a spiritual intimacy and an insurance you say oh we don't need that tonight it's kind of awkward well you've heard the preaching can two walk together except they be agreed the walking together is building that emotional intimacy spending the right time together is taking a walk praying together riding a bike going on a date Spending time having fun. The wrong things together are taxes, paperwork, business, insurance, finances. That's what the devil wants you to do together. And the world has it all wrong. You don't do those things together. If my dad, my dad was the leader of the home, my mom did a lot of the tax work and finances with her little planners. you can see. If my mom and dad did it together, they wouldn't have emotional intimacy because you have to guard your emotions and your friendships. We're doing too much of the wrong thing together. Now, a lot of you are looking at me like, you're just changing my plan. Look, you got to walk with God yourself. And if you are doing it well together and you love doing finances together, that's fine. But if you're having contention in that, You need to stop doing it together. I'm going to say it again. You need to stop doing it together. What do I do? You designate it to one or the other, and the other one gives up the control. My wife buys the groceries. There are certain brands that I don't like and certain things that I would do differently. I would spend more money, but she's so good and fruit. And, and, and she buys this brand or that, and I love what she does. But I'm just saying, i got to give that up. But if I went to the, I'm just giving you a low-level illustration. If I went so that you can get it and say, oh, maybe that should apply to some other things. If I went to the grocery store and we went grocery shopping together, it would not go well, and our emotional friendship, intimacy would be torn down. Somebody say amen because somebody's doing it. If my wife and I sit together and did our taxes together, it wouldn't be good. Now, there are a few exceptions to the rule here. But it's stupid what marriages do together that God has designed for us to do separately. Amen. And yet, oh, hey, we sit down and we spend an hour arguing over finances. We sit down and we go over all that and we fight and holler and, and, and contention all the time. Uh, when was the last time y'all went out on a bike ride? Well, we don't have time for that. We're tearing down emotional intimacy, buying the little gifts, spending time together because we're so busy I mean, look, I'll every great once in a while, like on a, on a night where we get the Christmas tree, uh, we'll all as a family put the Christmas tree lights on, but I don't do a lot of that together unless it's a traditional type thing. Why? Because I'll say, I want colored lights. And she says, well, you know, we always do white lights. And so I just say, you, how do you want the tree? And I'm going to like it. I'm telling you, this will help you. And this is why some people aren't friends. Because friends love one another and friends have a good time together. Sure, they step on their toes every once in a while, but they do the right things together. Miss Rhonda, do you help dad write his books? (laughs) She says, oh, no. (laughs) But do you all ride the bike together? Do you go on dates together? Most marriages are doing it backwards. Well, we got to go make this big financial decision together. We were talking about a budget. And uh, yesterday morning, I told my wife, I said, I made some changes. I'm really excited about it. And I felt obligated to tell her. I felt like I needed to tell her what we were doing and some changes. And she looked at me. By the grace of God, man, I felt a deeper love. And I'll teach this in another lesson on love and respect. But she, I was about ready to walk out the, the door. And she looked at me. And she said, Joseph, Joseph, you, you're acting like that you know, I'm making you tell me all this. I just said, well, no, I just thought maybe I should tell you what, what, what we're doing here in the budgeting thing. And she said, Joseph, you're a wise man. Just do what you feel is best. I walked out feeling like I was King Kong in the mountain owning the world. And I got in my car and a deep love was released all over me because of respect. All the men in the room know exactly what it, if you heard those, you're a wise man. <laughs> I can't, he'll blow it all. Well, it's a vicious, we will get into that in another message here. And I'm kind of rabbit trailing, trying to stay on course with the time that I have here, but I'm talking about a friendship and a love. And guess what? I want to go tell her more about, hey, I want to tell you more about this budget. Oh, so much there, but we spend time doing the wrong things together. We need to guard the emotions of our lives, guard the emotion of your husband, guard the emotion of your wife. Why? You're guarding a friendship if, brother, if I wanted, and I have one, I believe, a close relationship with Brother Pete, and I wanted to be best friends with Brother Pete, the desire of a man, meaning the desire of me is my kindness to him, that's friendship, and we're kind, like the same kind. We're loving one another, we're friendship. But if I didn't guard our relationship and I came in and I just kept bumping in the way with things, well, I didn't like how you did this and I didn't like how you did that and I didn't like how you did this and, and we're constantly nitpicking, we're constantly contentious and uh, we went into business together, that's why I'm always concerned. There's never a time that I am not concerned. There's never been a time that I'm not saying I'm against it, I don't run your lives. There are times I'm against it, but there's never been a time as a pastor that I haven't been concerned when church members go into business for one another and do business and hire one another. Again, sometimes it works great. And I've even encouraged every, in a rare case, I mean, hey, maybe this person or that, but it's very concerning. Why? Because you're doing this stuff together and you're breaking apart friendships. And I've seen people break apart their friendship with God and the local church that God has placed them in. Over something of lesser value, like a work relationship, a financial loan, or something of that nature. Now, there's a whole lot of truth there. If you'll dig it up, you'll take it home. And I'm not trying to come in and meddle in your home or your business. Some of you guys can, can handle certain things. I'm just telling you, I'm concerned. I'm always concerned and pray, oh, Lord, please, because of that emotional friendship, intimacy, laughing together, experiencing tragedies together, creating memories together, expressing lifelong dreams. If I were asked, what's a good memory with you and your husband? would you have to think, I don't know, we just work all the time. He's an idiot. I mean, he's, well, I mean, he's not an idiot. We love this is just who we are. Or would it be, oh, we like to and fill in the blank. And if you were to ask my wife and I, it wouldn't be anything special. You know, I mean, we went on a date last night and I got a haircut. She went to Aldi's and then we went to a Panchero's type restaurant, Estella's Fresh Mex for about you know, 30 minutes and drove back and got the kids, but it was the most wonderful. T- we were just being friends together, but it was a good memory, a good little run. And we walked outside and, and it just was nice and cool and walked outside of the restaurant to the car, literally for about 60 seconds. And my wife says, don't you just love this? What is the this? Just walking to the car. I mean, we had, we had a burrito together, you know? Tacos El Pastor, Woohoo! good stuff. Uh, but but it, it's building a life together. That's the emotional intimacy And a woman has far more delicate emotions than a man. They're a weaker vessel. And a lot of times we're not building that life together and we're hurting the emotions. And then last but not least, the spiritual intimacy bleeds over into emotional intimacy or that soul intimacy. And this is all in the word of God here as we see it, how God made us a triune being. We then see that physical intimacy. Genesis chapter two and verse 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. God created intimacy Hollywood didn't the world didn't God created that act of marriage and it is a beautiful thing and it's much bigger and much broader Than what this old world in this quote adulterous generation has made it out to be the word intimacy means closeness And if you just study marriage, this is its most basic most principal, Highest form of marriage of course the spiritual intimacy is there, but just like in the church it says faith or spiritual intimacy Without works, serving the Lord is dead. And there's a lot of Christians that sit at home, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, but they never win a soul, they never tell people about Jesus, they never serve, and it's just empty. So what service or, or works part of Christianity after salvation, what serving God, doing, being doers and not just hearers, the, the works part, what works is to your spiritual intimacy, your walk with God, is the same thing as physical or romantic or active marriage is, to spiritual intimacy, to emotional soul intimacy. It makes it all come together. Physical intimacy is a bond for marriage designed by God. It is the most amazing, beautiful thing when understood biblical, biblically. But the world gets it so backwards because we live in an adulterous society in time. And joys can be equally reached for the wife as for the husband when there is a Biblical intimacy when there when it is done biblically men and women are entirely different We already learned that and just as men are achievement based that is an outward achievement based women are inward men are outward Women are inward God designed it this way God designed men to be in achievement based God designed women to be relational based men would go out outside of the marriage relationship and hire somebody To fulfill marriage needs. Hear me well. And that marriage need is fulfilled. Focus. That marriage need is fulfilled in a moment, but then it creates gravel in their mouth and and leaves a a pain later. We won't get into that tonight. We've got a whole lot more to go. We're almost done tonight, but I'm saying in the future. But hold on. To a woman, they are inward. A woman, women, they have been known to leave their husbands and go marry somebody that cannot participate in the act of marriage, but they are completely fulfilled because of the romantic side. Are you listening tonight? And for a husband and wife not to realize both sides of this, you are taking that piece of pie out and you're making it into something cheap and damaging not only to you and your spouse, but to your children and the next generation and creating big bitterness, creating decay in your marriage that could soon lead to all kinds of blow-ups and wondering what is wrong with marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2 says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over the body but the husband and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body but the wife. Defraud ye not one uh, um, the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. What is it talking about? It's talking about the sexual relationship in marriage. Marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And all throughout the scriptures, I mean, you just turn over the scriptures and you see God designed kissing. Let him kiss me with the kisses of the mouth. God says that husbands are to be ravished with the body of their wife at all times. But what happens is, we come into marriage with a very selfish Non-spiritual intimacy, intimacy view, and were hurt. I alluded to this last week, and I'll expound a little bit more, and I'm watching the time when we're almost done. Before marriage, this is why it's so valuable for those in the room to not enter into the fire of marriage before the covenant of marriage. Because and I, w- I, w- I want you to really just dwell on this. I want you to put your thinking caps on, and I'm going I'm to honestly, I'll be brief here. Before marriage, God has designed men and women, primarily men in before and ladies after, to imprint in their mind. To imprint. Just like certain emotions as a child, traumatic things and exciting things are imprinted. When you remember your child, you go back and remember that. A lot of what you remember, by the way, in these modern days is you're actually remembering pictures. Remember pictures that you saw of, of, uh, you know, some old family album and you think you remember that Christmas time when you opened up that tricycle, but in reality you saw a picture from back when you were a child as well. But you may remember because it was Christmas day, it was an exciting. Now listen very carefully. There are certain animals, we're not an animal, but we're like this. There are certain animals that when they are born, they will imprint on whatever they see. And there are animal scientists that will dress up even in birds and things just to distract or confuse um, that they can't even see what this is, or they can't figure out what it is, and they will go in when they're taking care of these little birds. Fowl do this more than anything else, um, and they will take care of these birds dressed up like some kind of big bird. Literally, you can look it up. Because if when these birds are hatched and they begin to grow, if they're always working with the human, they will imprint on the human being. And that's what they will equate to their caregiver or their caretaker, and they're training them to go out into. Their natural habitat. Everybody so far so good. God has designed and created. God designed it. It's all throughout the scriptures. We may expound it in deeper, show you some scriptures later on. But I want you to get the principle to lay the foundation so you have something to build upon when we're able to go deeper. God has designed the man to, when they enter into sexual relationship, when they enter into what should be the act of marriage, to imprint upon that. That's how God designed it. The images of the mind. Oh, how many of you remember the entire study on images? Just the word images. And I need to preach it again. I'm going to preach it again. There's several of you. Images, images, images. That's when God destroyed the earth with the flood. He said the imagination. That's, that's These images, that's the imprintation of the mind. So when a young man, whether it be pornography, whether it be immorality of any kind, fornication, they imprint on that. So, if it's before marriage, it does not matter what it is and how much they say they love the individual. It is 100% lust in 100% of the cases. So, they imprint on lust and not relationship. They imprint upon sexual desire and not giving of oneself, which brings a more fulfilled uh, sexual desire. So, there is an imprint. There are men. Who will come and say, you know, hey, I'm one of these weird men. I, I just don't have a desire to, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just not amped up about it. And I would say to that individual, and this, is, this happens, I would say to that individual, like ever, oh, I mean, you know, if we go out to a nice restaurant or it's an anniversary or something, we go to a restaurant and then we go get a hotel or something, then yeah, that's great. You know why they're doing that? Because that's what was imprinted. Amen. Amen. Please get this. That's what was imprinted. They were in a bar before some of you got married. They're in a club. They're at a dinner. And that's how the world does it. You buy a nice meal. I'm trying to be as as chaste here as I can, but still preach the Word of God because it has to be preached. And so it's imprinted on that. It's not a relational thing. It's a lust thing. And the imprintations of digital, whether it be paper for you, for old school people or digital for this new generation, it's an imprintation of something that is empty and lustful. Amen. Now, we're standing back here, and Larry Brown has his hand on my shoulder, and he says, Son, I, am, I remember this day. I am so excited for you. I am so excited. This is a, this is a great day. Let's pray together. We're kneeling, those of you that have been to marriage renewal uh, rehearsals, we kneel and pray with mom and dad. Everybody's clapping. Then we come walking out. The bride and the groom come walking out. And they're standing there and here comes the bride down the aisle and everybody knows we're getting married. We're going on a honeymoon. We're husband and wife. And they're all applauding it. They're all for it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And everybody's for it. And you're imprinting and imprinting and imprinting. Then... You, you, you go get in that rental car. You go get in your car and you go off to some honeymoon somewhere and you go to that honeymoon night and this is, what, this is what you've been waiting for for 18 years or 25 years. And you go and now instead of imprinting upon lust that will leave you empty for the rest of marriage, you've now imprinted on relationship. Let me just put it very rawly. Ready? Instead of imprinting on lust, you're imprinting on the girl. Which do you want to imprint on? And this is why many marriages tonight need to say, God, let's start doing it your, your way and let me start reworking my mind and the imprintations that constantly flash back up into my mind, into my mind, into my mind. I've heard of married, Christian married couples that have begun to look at things of, of other people in marriage in an awful, wicked uh, nakedness is nakedness outside of marriage, I don't care in what realm. You know why they're doing that? Because they imprinted on that wrongly. Young people, I beg of you to wait. You don't realize what you're doing. You're imprinting wrong. Ladies are foolish to al- give themselves before marriage to somebody. Just stupid, dumb. And I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm your friend by preaching this. Because you're allowing him to imprint on you. Amen. Amen. Now, before marriage... A woman does not imprint with the lust or the physical picture, just like an animal imprint, and that's what they get out of it. And by the way, I'm telling you all this because it can be reworked. There is hope. There is hope. You start backing up with the spiritual intimacy, you'll see all this get reworked, and you won't be imprinted on that one-night-stand mentality. Now, to a lady, there are a lot of ladies that can enjoy the act of marriage, but they don't have a desire going into it. But they can enjoy it. Why? Because the impetition is what happens afterwards. The closeness, the hugging, the, um, the, the friendship together, the closeness that happens together. But before marriage, listen carefully. Before marriage, when people so foolishly just will not listen to God and God's preaching and, oh, it doesn't matter if you have immorality before marriage. Come on, everybody does it. Now watch this. A woman will enter into this relationship to get a man to love her, to oh, he's impressed with me, he loves me, and that's a natural draw to a lady. Like, wow, he, like, I could have the power over him to, 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 to bring him to this, and this is amazing. But there's no imprintation yet. There's an enjoyment, there's, you know, uh, an excitement, a deceitfulness to this before marriage, and, and so they enter into that. But their imprintation happens the moment that it's over. Imprint, 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 because God designed it. By the way, I've studied this and I can't bring it to you because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm right up to that line that I should go. Um, but, but let me allude to what I've studied that I can't go over. is God has designed certain things to physically happen. Like chemicals and, and things to actually happen in these certain moments, before and after, that causes imprint, imprinting. And so as soon as this fornication is over... Uh, God is designed, I don't care who you are, saved, lost, imprint, 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 imprint. And before marriage, they're imprinting, but there's nothing there. So after marriage to a man, we're recapping, they've imprinted lust. And so it's animalistic in a sense. It's a transaction. It isn't starting with the desire, trying to create an emotional desire with your wife. Long before that time comes, creating that desire, spiritual intimacy, building a life together, and to where it just is is just out of the overflow, and a joy and a laughter and, a, and, a, and an incredible thing. That's for a man, but for a woman after marriage, watch this. When they come to intimacy, there's nothing there. I don't know why my husband wants this so much. I don't understand. There's nothing there. Why? Because they were imprinted on that. There's nothing, I mean, it's just, okay, all right, let's, let's, you know, this is what married couples do because they imprinted wrong. God says, wait until you are married. I beg of you young people, you're messing yourself up. Work hard at it and it will be one of the toughest things that you do, but don't imprint wrong. You say, well, we're engaged or we're, you know, and, 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 sorry to pick on three or four engaged people, but or we're, we're, um, we're, we're dating or we're, you know, we're gonna get married. You're still imprinting wrong because you have not come to the covenant. And marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage has walked into the office of his office, of my office, and many preachers often say, hey, you know, nobody knew, but two weeks before we got married, you know, we, we did this, that, or the other. And you know what? we now are wise enough to realize we really messed up. We thought we just messed up testimony and didn't want anybody. We really messed up. But by the grace of God, when you enter into the principles that I've preached over the past three weeks from the Word of God, and now we're going to give you some really practical things going forward. This is all just still introductory. We may take a pause over the next few weeks for Christmas. We'll see. But we're going to be doing this and helping you rework some of these things to understand. By the way, let me just mention this too. For ladies and men, but for ladies who when the, um, the act of marriage was abusive or molestation or whatever, now not only does it mean nothing, it's bad. It's bad. Or if they were, were with several people and they realized that these guys, when maybe some girl was a teenage girl and living, a, maybe she was lost or just living a loose life and she slept with this person and this and this and this, then it's not just nothing, it's a bad connotation. And there are people sitting in the room right now, and and when it comes to what God has designed and a beautiful and amazing and a wonderful and giving of oneself away to the oxygen level needs that your husband has and that your wife has. I'm talking about oxygen level like if I held you underneath the baptistry. For the first minute, you'd be okay. But after about 5, 10, 20 minutes, you'd be, well, you'd be dead. But after 3 to 4 minutes, you'd be fighting and swinging. That's what most marriages are like, and men are saying, I I need, I need this fullness. And the wife's saying, well, I need it too, because they're not being fulfilled in the emotional, romantic, intimate side of things. And God has designed marriage to be one. Paul argues again, he says, the primary reason for marriage is a active marriage contract, an intimate, the bed undefiled contract. I'm bringing my desires to you. You're bringing my desires to me. Not just in what Hollywood creates in a a one act, but in a overview of an intimate life and building that starting with spiritual intimacy, moving into a friendship, which then creates a fullness. If you're sitting here tonight and you say, "Ah, my husband will never, then you are wrong, sister. Because you are focused on his faults and not yours. Shame be to the man who says... My wife has all these faults, and I cannot think of one fault that I have, or vice versa. Tonight, it's time to start focusing on what is right, to lay aside our baggage, to come into spiritual intimacy with God, to carry it over to our spouse, and watch it trickle down in the triune institution that God has designed and created as marriage. Father, thank you for what you've done in this place. Thank you for this church that is so patient. I pray that we'll take some of these things, and we will understand that your word is powerful, It's sharp. It will accomplish its will if we will just let it. Help some young person tonight to say, you know, more than just, oh, I'll get a purity ring one day and I'll try to stay pure, but to say, no, I will not become impure. And for those that have already entered into that life, I pray tonight they will repent and begin with spiritual intimacy of asking God to forgive, asking God to heal, asking God to help, and loving God and allowing Him to love them. Lord, I pray right now we would see great healing in these three areas of marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you to stand to your feet if you'd like to come to the altar. I invite you to come do business with God. You've been very, very patient. And I invite you just to come and kneel and pray. You can start. And it takes building a life. You say, man, I want to go home and fix my wife. I want to go home and fix my husband. It takes time. If you won't give up, you will reap. I mean, if Gallup poll can do a secular or you know a public poll... And say that, yeah, the, the marriages that say, you know what, we pray daily together. One out of 1,153 end up apart. One out of one hundred. Ma'am, if you're if you're there and your husband loves God and reads the Bible, but you're not, you need to start. Sir, if you're one who've just lost sight, you don't read your Bible anymore, you don't pray anymore. I'm talking about even personally. You don't ever share a you know, hey, I read Proverbs this morning. You know, I got something out of that. That was that was pretty good. Oh, that will do more for your wife. That'll do more for your marriage than you have ever imagined. And you'll have a wholeness. God says, let us be whole. Now, as you're praying and we're we're done here, understand that in a home, if you do not have spiritual intimacy, your children will not love one another and be friends with one another. They will fight like cats and dogs now their foolishness is bound in the heart of a child so there'll be some bickering and fighting that you're going to have to correct but i'm talking about they just it's 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 not heaven on earth it's hell on earth because it is a home without spiritual intimacy spiritual intimacy in the home where the children read the bible love god then they begin to love each other and then from there they begin to serve that's the physical they begin to serve one another They begin to do things for one another. You've seen families like that, and you say, how come mine isn't that way? It starts with spiritual ministry. Now, let me me take it now to the church. There are a lot of churches that wonder, man, these liberal loose churches, they are having splits like you cannot imagine, And certainly, ours can do the same thing. Our day may come, for sure. But, oh, man, they have a good program and a high time. But the fighting, the infighting, the bickering, the oh the unkindness why because they don't realize it takes a church that's spiritual if we have a spiritual church we'll have a church that loves one another you find me a contentious christian in the church i'll show you that they've lost their spiritual intimacy one hundred percent of the time you have a spiritual church where the average the, the body of the church is spiritual You're gonna have a church that laughs together, has fun together. You see it in the Christmas play because we have teams of people praying. We're begging God and man, we are having a blast together, which then that unified striving together spills over into a church that can knock the walls of Jericho down. Working hard together, building the walls of Jerusalem, laboring together, purposing with one heart and one mind and one soul. Spiritual intimacy in the church breeds an emotional friendship which then breeds a working together for the cause of Christ. I thank God for a church like that. Father, thank you for this study. Thank you for your word. May we take this pie with three pieces in it, the spiritual intimacy, just simply praying together, being real with God, loving God, having a time where every day we love you and we we do it together as a married couple, whether it be a prayer in the morning, a prayer at night, both prayer over the phone, maybe a text of what we're reading that day, maybe going through the same Bible readings, whatever it may be, doing something, memorizing scripture together, doing something spiritual together every day, and then guarding our emotions and our friendships, cultivating a friendship by doing the right things together instead of spending 99% of our time doing the wrong things together. Father, we, may, we all have to do a few of those things together. I'd have to do some transactional business, no doubt but spending the bulk of the time that we actually finally get together doing good things together, communicating, laughing, enjoying, eating a meal, going on a walk, shooting a gun in the backyard together, some targets, or doing something, Father. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us then to allow that to bleed over into the wholeness in the romance world of desire, time, the caressing, the kissing, the hugging, the loving, the taking the time that it takes to fulfill that beautiful picture that you have designed and created called marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. We are late. Brother Abe, could you give us a 60 second overview of the Christmas bag outreach and then we'll be dismissed and get you on your way and at home. Thank you so much for listening, church. I am convinced that this will help my marriage. I'm convinced I need it as bad as the rest of you. I need it. You need it. This is insurance for the rest of life. Thank you for your patience, Brother Abe, and then pray for us.
0: Yes, very quickly, we mentioned this before about a Christmas bag outreach. I want to give you just informational stuff right here tonight to prepare you for Sunday, because Sunday we're going to launch this. So what I want you to be praying about and thinking about this week is this. We as a church, we're going to use these bags to reach out in our community to be a a good testimony, but also to get the gospel out. And we're asking for every family to be involved. And you can do this. It's the easy way of doing it. What we're going to do, just, this is, just to prepare you for this, is on Sunday we're going to have basically these Christmas bag kits. And so we're going to have bags ready for you. Inside the bags, you're going to have a special greeting card. They're going to have tracks. They're going to have the gospel video cards. And all you have to do as a family is grab a few of those, 5, 10, 15, however many you think you can get out. And by the way, you have some time to do it. You, you do your own schedule. But you take those bags home and then you fill them with your own goodies right you bite, you bake two dozen cookies you eat a dozen for yourself and put a dozen in the bag and deliver them to the around your community so basically what I wanted tonight just to inform you this is happening this Sunday so start thinking now start praying now about how many you're going to take how many neighbors you can reach uh this is an easy way people like getting gifts the easy way to get the gospel out into our neighbor so we're going to launch this this sunday let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to be dismissed tonight father thank you so much god what a wonderful time we've had in your house lord and i thank you lord for the truth of your word and how it can change lives it can change marriages lord it can do it even tonight if we would just trust you wholeheartedly and i pray Father, father you would allow this to settle upon all of our hearts and let that one uh tonight that came in discouraged or defeated over their marriage. Lord, help this to be a, a shining ray of hope, Lord, they can take home and a trust in you and go forward with it. Bless us now as we go our way. Keep us safe as we drive. Bring us back again safely uh, again Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Amen.